0: Do you know Naomi? Is she, stone? Is she?
1: Yeah. Well, we, we're live now, and I'll, I'll be sure to send this to her. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Thank, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jackman Radio. And uh, I got a cool guest tonight. He's uh, an old friend from college. We both attended Franklin Pierce University together in the uh, sprawling metropolis of Ringe, New Hampshire, my hometown. And it's uh, Mr. Yaroslav Uribuha from Ukraine. And um, we've got some. History between us. We've known each other. When did we meet? 2008? About that, yeah. I think it was like 2008. We worked together at Pierce uh, for the conference center there that summer. Um, and um, the um, war in Ukraine, you know, broke out in the last uh, month, month and a half. And uh, Yuri and I reconnected on Twitter. And, um, you know, I figured it would be interesting to get his perspective on, uh, you know, what he's seeing over there. Um, you know, first and foremost, Yaroslav, I'm glad that you're safe and that you're okay. Um, and currently you're living in Norway, right? Correct. And um, you said your folks were back in Ukraine?
0: Yeah, my uh, family is in Odessa. My friends are in Chernihiv and Kiev. And my cat is actually in Berlin.
1: Long story. <laughs> your cat is there? hmm So um i guess for starters if you just want to kind of tell the audience a little bit about your background who you are what you do and um what your overall you know thoughts are on what's happening in your home country right now mm.
0: well i'm a web developer that's what i do and uh i edit videos also I've uh, lived in the united states for seven years uh, four years of those i spent in franklin pierce and another three years i spent Enjoying and traveling United States. I've uh, been to 21 states, I've been to 30-something countries. Um, now, I was just traveling uh, in Athens when the war started. And it wasn't safe to come back home. And I figured I'd come to the closest country where I have friends, which is Norway. Um, now, what, what, was, what were the other questions?
1: So, your, you know, your perspective on on what's happening in Ukraine and, you know, how your family's faring, how your friends are doing, you know, what their day-to-day is kind of like over there right now. I mean, I, I imagine you're probably in touch with your folks daily or every other day. I mean, how is communication between you and your family?
0: Right. Um, yeah, the, the there are no words to describe the feelings and the levels of stress happening um there's just no words but i I, maybe maybe you can imagine i don't know um my parents are in odessa my dad my dad he's he's what you you could call him a nationalist actually and um he was really really really, and he's a soviet military actually he was a tank commander in uh, czechoslovakia back in 1980s he he was part of soviet union force who was occupying czechoslovakia Actually, back then he thought they were liberating them from, from capitalists and stuff like that. It's amazing how perspectives. But yeah, he he's a military guy. Unfortunately, he has health issues, so he he's not in the military now. But uh, he he he's really calm. Uh, he's doing renovation in his home and just goes swims every day. Odessa. Has been shelled by rockets a couple of times, but other than that, there are no um, fights going on there. So it's one of the safest places in Ukraine. Although nowhere is safe right now in Ukraine, because for the last 50 days, the rocket, Russian rocket, could fall anywhere in Ukraine, as any anywhere west, close to the Polish border, to my hometown, North Chernihiv, to Odessa, to anywhere. Uh, so uh, my mom, well, my mom's just with him doing the same thing, kind of, uh, He uh, part of his na- nationalistic nature, he was actually kind of glad the war started now. A lot of, in a sense, like, finally, we'll put, pull, put an end to this and we'll not pass it to our future generation, this conflict.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like any country, there's always a divide with the citizens of the country, you know, where they lie politically and how they view the world and, and their country. So um, if you could talk a little bit about that divide in Ukraine, because, you know, you said if your, your dad's a nationalist and then obviously there are Ukrainians who are pro-Russia and they like this invasion and, and want to see, you know, Russia coming and have greater influence. So, you know, what what is that like in the day-to-day life in Ukraine and how does that kind of shape uh, the view of this war that's happening?
0: Well, this war hasn't started like 50 days ago. It started, right. started eight years ago with the annexation of Crimea and Russia uh, covertly invading uh, eastern part of Ukraine. They just took their uh, insignias and they were pretending it's not them really, but it was them. Um, so this war didn't start it and unfortunately Russian pro- Russians are really good. Re- like it's probably one thing that really good they're really good right now at is propaganda. Those guys are probably the best at it right now. The the, the insane amount of money they're spending, like they have they have uh, huge farms that just spam in your comments. But anywho. Uh, so the, the propaganda worked miracles to justify annexation of Crimea and to support the invasion of Eastern Ukraine. And that propaganda worked on 17% of people in Ukraine. As uh, uh, in our parliament, the pro-Russian party uh, gathered 17% uh, of the votes. So. Um, And granted Crimea and Eastern part was always pro-Russian, so when Russia invaded it, and that cut off that uh, huge voting poll for them, voting pool, Uh, but anywho, yeah, that um, there was certainly maybe, I would say, half of the people who would not be so pro-Russian, but more like, oh, let's be friends, let's be peace, uh, like uh, stuff like that. They they didn't see Russia as an enemy per se, not not being pro-Russian. Like uh, when Russian uh, performers that performed in Crimea, meaning breaking the law of Ukraine, would come into Ukraine, uh, those people, oh, music is outside of politics, but uh, respecting the country's law would be like secondary to them. And and right, S- not sure if I'm making sense. Yeah, so, no, I,
1: I, get, I get what you're saying um, because you know there there's. Like I said, there's factions with every country, with every government, and you know, having a parliamentary system is different than you know what we have in the United States. So, um, you know, I look back to 2014, and, and a lot of those divisions were obviously very clear. Um, you know, you had one group that was kind of more aligned with the West and and more with uh, you know the, uh, NATO and the European Union, wanting to kind of move in a more Western direction, and then obviously you know the groups and and sections of Ukrainian society who are you know, still view, um, you know, a strong relationship and connection to Russia as beneficial. So, you you know, you saw a lot of that clashing going back to 2014 as well.
0: Yeah, before 2014, actually majority of people were against joining NATO. And uh, 2014 opened some eyes to some people, um, but not everybody, Uh, half of the population still kind of didn't see an enemy in Russia and seventeen percent were clearly pro-Russia, um, but then this this full-scale out war, it opened pretty much ninety-nine point five percent of the eyes what Russia is.
1: So you think because of this now, because of Putin's actions, you think your average Ukrainian would now be, embrace NATO and want to join NATO more?
0: Oh yeah, the the polls show uh, majority of Ukrainians are for NATO, but the but but now. Since NATO isn't really helping much at all, uh, it, it, it's like a great disappointment, too, at the same time.
1: It's, yeah, like so we did, we
0: did, it's too late for NATO right now, basically.
1: Yeah. So, I, so, I mean, if, what, yeah. what, what, what's your uh, opinion and perspective on why Putin is doing this? Why do you think he finally launched an invasion into Ukraine and has been bombing Ukraine and has killed civilians and, and done what he's done? What, what you know? What is your thoughts on that, like his thinking and and motivations?
0: I think uh, the bottom line comes down to his uh, immaturity, and uh, him feeling inferior, and him feeling um, not valued. Uh, uh, The Western nations are not giving him approval. Uh, It's it's all comes down to that. He overstayed his period in power and he wants to feel validated. He wants, uh, there's, there's a great parallel with Hitler, how he felt uh, embarrassed, shame, what did he felt, shame for Versailles Treaty when they forced Germany to capitulate. So Putin felt shame for uh, Soviet Union collapse. He clearly stated a couple of times that that was the most tragic uh, geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century, the collapse of the Soviet Union. So he looks at Russia, not as this great nation, with lots of resources, smart people, huge potential. He looks at it as a piece of something uh, broken that was used to be great. And he feels the West is to blame for it. And especially Ukrainians, because uh, we have a long history going uh, five centuries of wars, uh, Ukraine tried to be independent many, many times and Uh, Historically, it has came down to our nations being not very much friends alike. Russians were prohibiting Ukrainian culture language for it it goes on and on. So in his eyes, it's justified to be attacking us to somehow limp to the greatness Russia Empire once had and the same way to uh, with his immaturity to demonstrate how Russia can still do something because um, of that ultimatum they put to NATO. It was part of their plan. Uh, I think they they knew NATO isn't going to um, comply with them. Uh, and that was just part of their plan to justify Ah, uh, you, you you don't listen to us, so here you go.
1: Right. So you think that was kind of what spurred his reaction? Because I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I I really didn't think he was going to um, launch an invasion into Ukraine. I thought, like like usual, it was a lot of saber rattling and a lot of rhetoric, and you know, ultimately bullshit from him. That you know, he has a history of doing. But I think he took he took a lot of people by surprise with it, for sure.
0: I thought so, too. In fact, he was benefiting a lot by having all this attention and Macron visiting him, Biden calling him, everyone being concerned. And yet, no, no consequences. And the war hasn't started. So he had a lot of benefits while not starting the war and starting the war was clearly a big mistake. Uh, he, what I believe, he miscalculated on uh, on two... two um, occasions. First occasion, the state of his army. He was under impression it was well-funded and high-tech, but it's not. (laughs) And number two, he underestimated how Ukrainians would actually greet his army. He thought it would be almost like coming Uh, into Crimea.
1: Roses at him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems... um... Obviously, with anything related to Russian government or that system, it's just graft and corruption and grifting and outright thuggery and thievery. So clearly their military is not in the tip top shape he thought it was. And I think he's just got a lot of sycophants and yes men around him um, who won't tell who won't tell him reality and and. We hear, you know, and even for someone like me, who I think I pay pretty good attention to this stuff, and and I'd like to, you know, hear your thoughts on this and what you're hearing, you know, being from Ukraine and having plenty of friends and family in your home country, what are the numbers like? Because it's hard to trust a lot of sources because everyone has an angle and agenda when they're reporting on casualties. Um, So, I mean, what are you hearing about how many Russians are being killed? We always, we heard about all these Russian generals that the Ukrainians killed and then of course, numbers of Ukrainian civilians that are being killed. What, what are you hearing, you know, in regards to those numbers?
0: I tend to believe the Ukrainian side uh, because um, I see um, I see lots of uh, photo, video evidence of it. And there's this great journalistic website. I think it starts on O. Uh, they actually photo document every um, every part of destroyed tank, uh, personal carrier, everything. And just by photos alone, they have proved that Ukraine destroyed close to like 500 tanks. So you, you add another percent that wasn't fought or documented and you, you get the real Ukrainian number, actually, which is right now. Uh, let me tell you what it is for the tanks. 815 tanks and just plus another 13 today. So yeah, um, if if you if you want, I can find a website that fought the documents every loss.
1: Yeah, um, I'm willing to look at everything, you know, and that's that's a thing I think that's too bad when conflicts happen that people just get on, they do team baseball and uh, you know say no, I'm not going to believe this or there's no validity to these numbers or to this source. So um you know obviously you're a credible source it's it's your country it's where your family lives it's where your friends are so i'm sure you're getting updates every day about that
0: uh yeah definitely my my day my day as as i wake up starts from reading the front line of the news i'm very scared to see the news that odessa has been uh, shelled because my parents are there right so uh yeah every time i wake up it's the first thing i do and probably Spend a couple hours on the news
1: right yeah just combing through whatever you can read about it and
0: yeah yeah listening to experts and uh trying to get a
1: picture of what's happening
0: yeah doom scrolling sometimes doom scrolling to to calm myself down it's been really stressful yeah
1: yeah yeah i can i i can't imagine man it's uh and, and that's the thing and then that's why i wanted to talk to you because you know it's um people's perspectives are, are shaped by those narratives that they hear from the source that they trust or that their bias um, leans towards. And um, I watched a little bit of your response video to me on Twitter. And, um, you know, you mentioned Scott Ritter there, and you mentioned the Azov battalion. So um, I'd, I'd love to hear what, in your words, what is the Azov battalion? And what, what's your, what's your summation of them? in you know, Ukraine?
0: I love that you asked me that and, uh, and Scott Reader's and, uh, when, whenever someone speaks of Nazis and Ukraine in the same sentence, I guarantee this is like the earth is round, that this is Russian propaganda. if you just step, step up for, for a second from, and look at the reality, uh, that uh, since when Nazis are defending their land with a Jew as their leader, right? Have you ever heard of like or seen a photo of Ukrainian cities and towns having swastikas or any kind of superiority claims from any Ukrainian um, officials, right? Um, Moving on to nationalistic part. Yes, every country has nationals. Uh, there is some percent of them in Ukraine. Nationalistic party uh, got one point six percent of the votes in two thousand twenty or two thousand nineteen. So they didn't even cross the five percent uh, parliament uh, barrier. Uh, that's how low their support is nationwide. But yes, there are some nationalists. Uh, it's an inev- inevitable part of any any nation. Uh, and most of them are right now, of course, in a Zobet battalion. And uh, whoever says that they're Nazis is just uh, well, reading I mean, too much Russian I, propaganda.
1: I would point to what they say themselves. I mean, in pictures that are out there of them um, with their paraphernalia and their flags, uh, you know, swastika flags. I mean, is that there? So you're just saying that's just all made up and that's all Russian propaganda. There's, oh, the,
0: it's, there's it's nothing not to say any flag. of
1: that. There's no neo-Nazis in the Azov battalion.
0: Oh, absolutely not. And look, and uh maybe there are some individuals. I can't speak for every single one of them, right? Um uh, let's not first of all confuse nationalists and neo Nazis. Those are different things. Nationalists puts his country first, but he doesn't show it in other people's faces. He doesn't want to go out and prove it to someone else. Uh, While neo-Nazis, those are people who will go to your door and say, hey, I'm better than you, which Azov Battalion is not doing. If you look at how Mariupol, actually just today I saw the video, how Mariupol city um, has progressed at the time that uh, Azov was there, there were no no signs of any kind of neo-Nazi. events actions so what do you call it there the you call it swastika but I agree it looks kind of like swastika but it, it's not it's this letter N with letter I
1: well uh, the, one, one of the battalions logo the black sun which is a common white supremacist symbol and the wolf's angel symbol used by the Nazi SS I mean that's clear as day on their their uniforms that you see all over in official photos, not like photoshopped Russian propaganda. Um, And you mentioned, you know, why would Zelensky, a Jewish president, uh, be collaborating with Nazis or be allowing this? um, You know, even Jerusalem Post has reported about Israeli weaponry ending up uh, being used by the Azov Battalion and what's going on over there. Um, They published a video of a Ukrainian fighter with an anti-tank weapon and uh, clear as day, you can see on the weapon that it's, uh, it, you know, part is Israeli in origin. So there, there is that collaboration going on over there, or you don't think so at all? Uh,
0: I, as I'm saying, whoever whoever says Azov and Nazi, it's Russian propaganda. Okay. Like, if if not Russian propaganda, you would not even have heard of Azov battalion. Ukraine has lots of battalions. They just picked us off to make them a scary scary dog because yeah it has a lot of nationalists there. But again, yeah. those are not the people who think they're better than you. Those are not the people who think Ukrainians are superior or something. They don't go out their way showing their ideas in someone else people. No. They most of them speak Russians. Some some of the some Russians are in that battalion for Christ's sake. I know their designer was Russian. So it's like, there are Jews in that battalion, too. Again, Nazis, if you hear Nazis, it's Russian propaganda. It, they, they, they've made this story up. Uh, and as I a, as a gave some facts of like how Ukraine had 1%, 1.6% uh, nationalistic party, like there's absolutely no, I could say absolutely. Uh, Granted, maybe some individuals do have swastika tattoos. They are extremists of this sort in any nation, right? It in no way justifies to label the whole battalion as Nazi and in no way justifies the war. No way.
1: Okay. Um, So I know Stepan Bandera is a historical figure in Ukraine. Uh, How do you view him? And if someone who had no idea who he was uh, what would you say to them about him and, and who he was and what he believed and stood for?
0: This is uh, another classic of Russian propaganda. Um, if 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 Russians wouldn't be, if wouldn't made him uh, this, uh, what do you call it, ball for kicking? Uh, um, Russians have created this uh, uh, bandera thing uh, to for their purposes of frightening other people. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, they, they need to create an enemy to show them, oh, hey, this is an enemy. Like, if, if not Russian propaganda, you would have never heard of the name Stepan Bandera. He, he would have been almost lost in the history and maybe some monuments in, in Ukraine. And I, I would have probably heard about him on history class and forgot about it. It's just not a major history figure but uh uh thing is they try to say he collaborated with nazi and that he was a nazi but this guy <laughs> he never collaborated with nazis in fact for refusal to collaborate when when uh, when nazis invaded he he saw that as a liberation from communists and he said oh great we'll now have our independent ukraine here and nazis didn't like it that and put him in jail in 1944 and 1940, 1941st, in 1944, they released him because they were already losing. So they're like, hey, uh, help us uh, against communists uh, back there. But he refused that too. So they, Russia is accusing Stepan Badero of being collaborating with Nazis while he was not. It's just funny. They could have picked another guy. But again, um, Every nation, I, I can't say every nation, but a lot of nations had some groups of people who collaborated with Nazis back then. Back then, uh, like French had the, I forgot what was their names French had a group that had it. Uh, Nor- Norway had groups. Uh,
1: other European countries had groups. A lot, that, a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, they
0: were, a, the, a lot were enlisted.
1: Yeah, um, Austria Korea, had plenty.
0: Uh, the, the Russians had this huge uh, division of loss of. They, they were they, the remains of white white uh, Russians. There were red Russians and white Russians back in anyway. That's the remains that collaborate with Hitler. Um, so there were some uh, some uh, there were I think three battalions in Ukraine that did collaborate with Nazis, but Stepan Bandera was not among them.
1: So, so I, I mean try. overall, how is he viewed by everyday Ukrainians today? Is he a hero? Is he a pariah? Is he a national figure? I mean, how do you view him?
0: I view him as a hero. I view him as a hero. The guy the guy was fighting for independent Ukraine. That was his goal. Uh, he was fighting on Ukrainian land. And how how could that not be a hero? Uh, I, I don't say he's a saint. I, um, I don't know a lot about his biography. I, again, as I'm saying, I don't think he's that big of a historical figure to he had some um, with polish people there was some bad things that he did to polish people um but uh back then no one was saint uh polish people were no saints too Uh churchill called them Paul, churchill called uh poland hyena of europe because they were just wanting too much and grabbing on too much um so and also one key thing I wanted to to tell you: Have you heard of uh, Holodomor, 1932-33? Um,
1: tell me about it. I don't, Basically,
0: I don't... Uh, when communists came, they had this red terror to join Ukraine, and then they had um, they had to force people into collective farms. Um, and they started; uh, people were not listening to communists, so they started this. Uh, uh man-made starvation uh, that is now recognized genocide by many countries genocide of ukrainians in 1932-33 different estimates from two to five million ukrainians have died from starvation actually my grandma uh, my grandma she had cricket cricket uh feet like like this uh, because uh, she was born in 1931 and she, she got into this period of man-made starvation as a kid, as a baby, and her bones, uh, when they were growing, they were uh, rap. Uh, I could see how she walks like this, you know? Um, so uh, I, what I'm saying this is for you to understand that people in Ukraine back then didn't see communists as those great people who came to save them or anything. And when the Nazis were coming, a lot of them were seeing them as liberators from this disaster. There are some documentaries in Washington. There is a memorial to Holodomor. Uh, I think 52 countries recognize it as genocide because it was targeted deliberately against Ukrainians. Um, and it was man-made. Uh, so, I, Just giving you a little bit of perspective back then in, in the late 30s when uh, nazis when someone is kicking out communists you would be happy about that you would be happy about
1: that right no no matter who's doing it
0: yeah but of course when people saw who is liberating them they quickly lost uh yeah
1: support uh, for them
0: them too yeah because it was one evil came by another evil
1: yeah and i think what's lost in a lot of americans about what's happening over there and um, why there's friction between the two countries, um, you know, with the end of World War II and, uh, you know, the demise of uh, Germany and the fall of, of the Nazis, the new threat for the United States was, you know, communism and the Reds and the Soviet Union. And with Ukraine being where it is, you know, on the world's map, so close to Russia, um, it really became an important land of proxy for the United States and Western interests and U.S. intelligence agencies, the OSS, and then the CIA. And ever since the end of World War II, um, Western intelligence and our intelligence agencies and even our military have, uh, you know, made it, uh, made it their business to arm and train and fund groups in Ukraine to push back against Russia. Well, the, so with the Soviet Union and now Russia. So I think that's one thing that's that's overlooked and not talked about a lot um, is that that history of using uh, Ukraine as a proxy against Russia between East and West.
0: Hmm. I, I guess my comment on this, I would not see that Ukraine was used in any sense. Uh, Bad as as bad as corruption is in Ukraine, it's still a democracy. Uh, so whoever we elect is who we elect, who people of Ukraine elect. Um, now, yeah, those politicians who are elected, like the the one that ousted in revolution, he was super pro-Russian. Our f- minister of uh, defense was Russian. He was having his uh, Russian coat of arms. Uh, like uh, Ukraine was sacked with Russians in in high 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 cabinets. Uh, in a sense, you're saying U.S. was using Ukraine. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really agree with this uh, statement.
1: Yeah, well you could say using it or having it uh, as a proxy you know certainly sending arms sending our CIA over there to train people I mean it's all well documented
0: if, if you if you're record. saying in a recent recently right
1: yeah oh yeah definitely recently yeah, yeah. but we're not For sure well, seeing,
0: we're,
1: we're not seeing of, it as
0: using We're seeing it as help.
1: Well Thanks of course. Of course, yeah, your perspective would be that, that this is a huge help and yeah, we need that. It's going to ben- benefit benefit us in fighting uh, Russia and Putin.
0: I guess it's already yeah, if you look at it from that perspective as uh, let Ukrainians deal with Russia. Sure will just give us weapons and we'll, we'll happily deal it with.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's in essence, what's been happening. I mean, now the United States is appropriating billions of dollars to send over Zelensky is practically begging for money, you know, daily from the United States taxpayers. So it's happening. I mean, it has been happening. Um, So what is, what is the sense of the Ukrainian people um, about Zelensky? Do they feel he's been effective? Is he, is he, they feel he's doing a good job. I mean, what's, What's, what's your personal opinion of President Zelensky?
0: I didn't vote for him, if you're honest and, uh, I'm kind of neutral. I see the pros and cons. Unfortunately, a lot of, I see also a lot of, from my perspective, a lot of people in Ukraine, uh, biased in the sense they only see pros or they only see cons. Like my dad, he only sees cons in Zelensky. He's like, he calls Zelensky, uh, really bad words. <laughs> but from the other camp I see the seventy-three percent of people who voted him, and some of them only see how great and amazing he is. Um I'm kinda of in the middle. I see what he did he did bad, I see what he did good. Uh but I didn't vote him and I wouldn't want him to be president, but it is what it is. And currently in this situation with Russia, I stand with all of his action until the victory, I'm not criticizing him. Although I <laughs> in this video, we can talk about it. Yeah,
1: of course. Well, maybe your dad saw the video of him dancing around the high heels there <laughs> when he was a comedian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, when when I Zelensky first came on my radar when, you know, obviously, obviously, I do comedy and it performed and, and you know, I'm into political satire and comedy. And I heard there was this comedian uh, in the running to be president Ukraine. And, and without knowing anything, any context or background, I thought at its face that that was cool. You know, to hear about a comedian rising through the ranks and a guy who starred in a show in Ukraine television about a fictional version of himself being a schoolteacher, then becoming president of Ukraine, and then it actually happens in reality. So, you know, at the outpost, I thought that was that was a pretty uh, interesting thing to see happen where art actually, you know, life imitates art and it became reality. Um but, yeah, I mean, I, I, right now, I, from my perspective in the United States and depending where you are politically, like Zelensky's being propped up as this savior and messiah and this great leader. And, you know, he's he's doing a great job uh, dealing with the, the Russians. And then, you know, some people are like, well, yeah, he's an actor. He's made for TV. And, you know, he has he has experience in performing for the cameras. So I guess depending on, on you know where you come down on things, you could have a have a certain view of him. So, what are your, what are your dad's concerns about him? He just he just doesn't he doesn't think he's.
0: Oh, my dad has a full list of concerns about him, and I agree with him on a lot of them. Uh, how it's now uh, open source; it's now known fact that the new invasion would be coming, like maybe a month or two in advance. Yet they haven't prepared. Uh, in a sense, like Butcher could have not happened. Just uh, give those people uh, weapons, uh, pr- train those people. I'm sure in every city in Ukraine, every village in Ukraine, there would be at least a battalion of people who would be ready to take arms and prepare for it. Um, um, Mine the mind the roads, put the blog posts, pull down the trees. Like, they even knew exact date and time when the invasion is going to happen, but uh, this is my main... Like I was, I'm reading interviews of people who were liberated uh, from the liberators, what horrors they w- had to went through. I'm like, this, this could have been prevented with, with, with decent preparation, but whom to blame, but not Zelensky for basically just saying, come down, no one's going to attack us. We got everything under control, something like that. Um, so, and, um. The other thing was when he came in power, he cut down the financing of development of new weapons. Actually, the Neptune rocket, Ukraine-made Neptune rocket that shot sunk uh, Moscow cruiser, he stopped financing that program and many other programs. Uh, so luckily, Ukraine had time to develop it before 2018, before he came in power. Uh, he redirected the money from financing weapons to uh, building roads and bridges. <laughs> Great. So, um,
1: What was uh, what's your thought on the Snake Island incident? What was that all about from your point of view? Uh,
0: yeah, th- that was the first day of invasion, and the uh, Russian ship was told to go uh, fuck himself. And <laughs> um, we thought those people were dead first because Russian ship said uh, surrender or we will open fire. So we haven't heard anything from them. And for like a week, we thought they were dead. But Russians, uh, luckily, they survived. And that, that was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was that was great. I, I got a post. stamp. I got my friend to get me a post stamp with that. Uh, with that. I don't know if you've seen that illustration of the, on a stamp. it's on a stamp A Ukrainian soldier flipping the Russian ship. Nice, um. and for your question in, uh, in regards how West or other people perceive uh, Zelensky, I did saw a lot of uh, like those uh, cartoon, not cartoons, what do you call them, caricatures or like, like posts how he's such a brave leader and stuff like that. I would say it's cute to see. Maybe <laughs> it's a bit over over overdone, but hey, I it I I can't say. If he's an actor yeah he's good with the audience but i i wouldn't think he's manipulating it in any sense i think yeah. he's pretty straightforward If <laughs> this is what we need
1: <laughs> yeah well it's it's yeah, they got him running around in the uh the, the navy shirt there you know with the fatigues and filming all kinds of videos um mm. what blows my mind is is there are americans um and maybe you've heard about some of this some of the americans who want to join the the legion the ukrainian foreign legion and actually mm-hmm. go over and fight in Ukraine against the Russians, which, in, in my my personal opinion, I think that's completely insane, um, and, and like it's hard, it's hard for me to grasp. It's hard for me to grasp. Um, but what what have you heard about foreign fighters coming to Ukraine and fighting against the Russians?
0: Uh, I there, there are. I think the numbers are more than twenty thousand. Twenty thousand, uh, the number
1: I've heard. Yeah.
0: Um, I actually I have a friend. Whose friend is now uh, American? American friend. Whose friend right now is in Lviv? He's a medical uh, war medic. Is he's, uh, he's doing that? So actually, two handshakes away, I know somebody who who's American and who's now in Ukraine. Um, uh, I, I'm more curious what makes what makes it for you sound to be insane to if someone wants to do
1: that what
0: makes it so insane for you
1: oh i mean yeah you you, yeah. you have you have the right to do it you can go and do it i, I just i just think it's i think it's crazy i do i just I, I can't i can't fathom it you know you would be so compelled to go sign up to you're an american citizen and you would be so compelled to go sign up for another country's military or legion to go over there and fight against russia when that country has not militarily attacked your country uh, or threatened your country, so I just, you know, personally, I, I don't, I don't uh, jive with that, or think it's, think it's a real well thought out thing, or you know, something, something worthwhile to, to do with your life.
0: Well, we we don't see like huge amount of people coming here. It's it's very very limited. What 400, 400 million population in the United States, and probably like five thousand came. That's that's even below statistical.
1: Yeah, it's still 5,000 people, so, you know,
0: <laughs> those people, those people must, uh, I, I would assume a lot of them are professional in well, this mercenaries. Area. Yeah, uh, well, not mercenaries, but maybe ex veterans, ex-military. Yeah. They, they know what they do. I, I think a lot of them has already been in Ukraine as part of training or stuff like that, because the United States and Ukraine had a lot of common uh, trainings. Um. You know, you will, You might be shocking, but some people enjoy war.
1: Well, people I know I that,
0: enjoy war.
1: That's insane to me too. And I think that's that's a product. That's a product of manipulation and propaganda. And I uh, think
0: it's more of a product of mm, childhood traumas.
1: Sure, that could be but part like, of it too. Uh,
0: like, because it's extreme, extreme. Like this adrenaline rush. Uh, this, this they they're after, they after it, I think and the war gives it to them. this uh, this risk of being killed or you kill. It's like video game but million times bigger emotions. and whatever five thousand or I don't know the exact number came, um, I think it's well within those marginal statistical limits. And I the friend of my friend who came he he was in Ukraine before. And he's a war medic. He saw he could help people a lot of they just want to help. Yeah. And I think that's honorable. And sure. Too.
1: Yeah. Intentions of, of wanting to help. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it, I could probably chalk it a lot up to my my libertarian worldview of, of not messing around with other countries and entering into entangling alliances and, and going over and being compelled to pick up arms against a country that has not attacked my country or, you know, invaded my country. So that's that's my perspective on it anyways.
0: On Vice News, there is actually an American Texan who was on the side of Russia fighting against, uh, against Ukraine imperialism in Ukraine oh, on Jesus. the side of Russia. Vice News, Vice News uh, Texan, if you should type that in YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Vice uh, is, listen listen to what he says. It's
1: it's insane. So he's he's a Texan, American dude who went over to fight for the Russians and against
0: he, American And he
1: views yeah. it that he's fighting American imperialism. So uh, so he American. views. He views Ukraine as an instrument of U.S. imperialism.
0: He views Ukraine as uh, U- U.S. Uh, expanding further. Okay. It, it's it, it to me. It sounds as uh, bizarre as uh, yeah. queers queers uh, supporting Palestine.
1: As who supporting Palestine?
0: Have you seen that poster, queers for Palestine?
1: Oh, like like gay people for Palestine?
0: Yeah yeah yeah. I don't know. Uh, if you've seen. No. Palestine shot uh, shot like what was it like two years? I don't know. Recently they launched hundreds of rockets into Israel. And Israel retaliated and, and like responded severely. And uh, people didn't like how Israel responded. And those group of people, queers and like LGTB community, they had this banner, queers support Palestine, uh, basically. Do, do you see the?
1: I didn't see that, but I mean, Israel blew up a building full of journalists. I mean, that's that's always their response. Their response is always incredibly heavy-handed and, and un- yeah. un- unwarranted. We, we could judge that or not. Oh, no. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a totally different conversation. Um, but no, I'll have to look into that. I have never seen queers for Palestine. The
0: the, the, the thing is, if those queers would be in Palestine, they would have been stoned to death immediately.
1: Oh, oh, so oh, you're saying that Palestinian culture is not friendly towards gay people.
0: Yeah, same way this Texan is fighting uh, Okay. Imperial Russia against American imperialism.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's bad shit too, man. I think he's crazy for I think I think any human is, is crazy that's that's going to go do that. You know, you're going to go sign up if you have your reasons. So as, as I said back, uh, there's some individuals who are like that and yeah. Yeah, if you're born if you're born into extreme violence and it's all you know and it's kind of baked into your DNA and you've been around it your whole life, uh, obviously you'll be more prone and susceptible to it.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's another Canadian, uh, I think the famous sniper Vali, he's also in Ukraine. Have you heard of him?
1: um i may have heard about that so he's a canadian national and he's a he was in the canadian military and he's over in he's Ukraine. the
0: military he was in syria and iraq i believe and yeah. he's he's supposedly the best sniper out there and he's now in ukraine fighting for ukraine uh, i read his interview too he said he came because he has a friend here who invited him over and he said him being what he does best he couldn't he he couldn't say no
1: yeah I'll have to uh, look. Yeah, I I vaguely heard a little bit about that, but I haven't I haven't you know mm. dug too deep into that.
0: Uh, yeah, just to the topic of foreign legion.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, o- outside of obviously worrying about what's going on there in in your home country, I mean, what do you what are you doing? You doing anything for fun there in Norway, man? What's I mean, to take your mind off this stuff? I mean, you got it. You got to have some kind of release and, you know, do something nice for yourself every now and then.
0: Yeah, Norway, um, in terms of people, uh, is very warm uh, at accepting me. Uh, very, very nice. Um, like, I have friends here, and I've already met their friends, and they took me snowboarding here. Uh, the friend's place that I live right now, his sister is a pilot, and we went flying in their airplane around Norwegian mountains and fjords. It was amazing. And I live right by next to the mountain. I hike every day. It's really great.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, do some, so, some hiking. Um, and the Yeah, I mean, Scandinavians are really friendly people. I, I stayed in Sweden for a week. I went to Vastaros, Sweden, and um, I found them to be very friendly and really nice people.
0: Yeah, the, the amount of support here is insane. Uh, well, I don't know how it's in other countries, but um, Ukrainian flags here are almost everywhere. Um. I get free food. I, I was I had an option to stay in the hotel for free.
1: Public transport um, you were saying in your video? Oh tra- yeah, train all, tickets. All,
0: all transport is free. I, I, I was given a bunch of clothes. Uh, basically, this is just so much help here. Um,
1: so do you have like do you have official refugee status or do you just like in uh, you know Ukrainian living during this conflict in Norway?
0: Yeah, I did apply for uh, refuge status because I don't know when it's going to end. And right. uh, I was hoping it, it would be some financial help here or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I do have that.
1: Yeah, and I can tell like, you. I'm yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, yeah, I did apply for financial aid. Uh, still waiting. The yeah. thing I learned about Norway's bureaucracy here is insane. I bet. And Norwegians are laughing about it, too.
1: Yeah. Well, it's pretty expensive over there, too. I mean, I remember... Super. My uh, my friend uh, was in Norway and he couldn't believe how expensive some of the food is. Um, so we got a couple questions here and comments. Uh, Mark says, "Where in Ukraine is Yaroslav from?"
0: Um, the last four years, I lived in Kiev, uh, but originally I'm from uh, Chernihiv, which is north, and it was under it was in the blockade for a while. Um, and my parents, my my grandparents are from Odessa, and my grandparents from my father are from have uh, region as well. So, and then seven years I lived in in, uh, in the United States. So it's like my second home.
1: Yeah, New yeah. Hampshire specifically. My New neck Hampshire. Of the how, all how seven
0: we, years. All seven years.
1: How we know each other. The Frio die. We're free or die. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, let's see some other questions. So yeah, this is something we hear about a lot. Uh, you you have any thoughts on the bio labs that are over there, or is that just Russian propaganda? <laughs> <'Cause> that's <laughs> you know, talked about a lot over here.
0: I yeah, true. It, it is talked about a lot. Um, I haven't paid much attention to it. I haven't researched this question. On the surface, on the surface, my opinion is uh, Ukraine has bio labs. So what? Ukraine has trash refineries. Ukraine has telescope uh ukraine has a lot of things like what's what's the big deal of those pilots bio- i don't know uh, what i think is happening is just another reason russia tries to justify this invasion by saying there's some bioweapons or something um and the some russian propaganda even claimed ukraine has been developing birds i don't know have you heard this story russian propaganda true story russian propaganda claimed that Ukraine was developing birds who could carry um, a virus that targeted only uh, Russians. And so that they would fly into Russia and kill a bunch of Russians. True story, a lot of Russians even believed that. Uh, (laughs) So- That's that's crazy. (laughs) uh, I don't need to tell you that it's impossible to make a virus who would target only
1: Russians. Oh, yeah, I would, yeah. If you have a virus going to target everybody, how would would you you know? know? I'm I'm not Russian, I'm like, I'm- uh, Right. The bird could tell from the sky if you were Ukrainian my, or Russian. My mom either. is
0: half Russian. What it's like would she die too? What the hell? It's just funny, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I remember you. You you know Russian. You know, you can speak Russian, right, fluently? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 fluently.
1: Yeah, I remember we used to have you say some some uh, lines in Russian at Pyrrhus. So you were like, <laughs> yeah, you were, probably you like, not a good words, like, like a villain from Rocky or something. You know, a Soviet yeah. Soviet era villain. Yeah, we have uh, we have people here in Peterborough, New Hampshire, where I live. There's a lot of Ukrainian flags hanging around here, which is it's an interesting thing to see. It's very interest. It's it's very interesting, and it leads me to ask, well, you know, where's your Palestinian flag or your flag from Yemen or you know any other country that's dealing with strife and war and conflict right now? <laughs> it's just the media is is focusing on this right now. It's the there's a there's a funny meme, uh, Yuri, of uh, Vladimir Putin at uh, the no- a Nobel Peace Prize ceremony, and it says, "Vladimir Putin awarded Nobel Peace Prize for ending global pandemic."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what I think, you know, this is a great ethical question, in a sense. Uh, why weren't there like Palestine, right, or other countries that are being unjustly um, treated by? I don't know. How, how could I label this? How could I word this? But you get the idea. But same same was happening with Ukraine. Eight years. Eight years. No one
1: cared. There were no, no Ukrainian cared. flags in the last eight years here. Yeah. And yeah no one no, you're cared. Right. There, there was an right.
0: active war.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Russia, there's, there's evidence. Bellingcat, satellite, video. Russia was shelling Ukraine across the border all those eight years. Russia is a terrorist state. Yet everybody was doing business with Russia as usual all these eight years because and you know what what I'm observing and coming to conclusion that a little bit of murder is okay a little bit so somewhere a little bit in Palestine somewhere in, in whatever Afghanistan it's it's a little bit but when it comes like this full scale when you see and it's broadcasted everywhere and it's like that that becomes oh this is not okay this is the, some kind of boundary there where.
1: This is when we start um, hanging flags. <laughs>
0: yes, if if like I don't know, if more than ten thousand people are dead in like one attack, then then you start having flags. I don't know how to say. It, yeah, but. no,
1: I, I understand. I get totally what you're saying, and, and you're you're absolutely right about that. I mean, your average American does not pay attention. They just they, whatever is flashing and bright and put in front of them is the next thing, and they get on board with it most hook, line, and sinker. And,
0: uh, yeah, and it's not just Americans. I feel like it's just human nature. Even as at like 17%, 17% of Ukrainians voted for pro-Russian party in Ukraine. Well, Russians were freaking killing Ukrainians and, and Russians who lived in Ukraine all those years. So uh, propaganda plus ignorance would, would do the thing, uh, feels like it's yeah. human nature.
1: No, that's true. Yeah. J.C. Denton, this, this, uh, I support the current thing. That's the meme around it. So whether it's the COVID, wear your mask, get your vaccine, or now I stand with Ukraine and I'm going to put a Ukrainian flag in my window. I mean, I'm just not a big flag guy in general. I mean, I don't, you know, flags are flags. It's, uh, you know, people get worked up over them and amped up over flags. So, I mean, obviously I don't care if you can hang whatever flag you want, uh, you know, here in America, we're protected by the First Amendment. And if you want to, you want to fly a Ukrainian flag, that's the go for it. Go nuts. Have a, what if I flew a Russian flag, though? That wouldn't go over well, would it? <laughs> Just to troll.
0: Uh, there's certainly trolls like that, too. Um, uh, in, in Ukraine, we don't have this uh, support, uh, whatever thing. Um, we don't have this uh, movement or something like that. So but knowing American culture, um, right. I, uh, I, I understand it comes to show the ignorance of some people, uh, like not caring enough. They're like just faking it to to, be, to to seem like they're part of the group. They're not really care what they support. I get what this meme is laughing at. But at the same time, I personally feel it's a little bit devaluing uh, to Ukraine, uh, to the horrors Ukrainians are experiencing right now. And when someone puts a meme like "I support the current thing," oh, ah. But well, it's, again, it's, it's your life. That's what it's I initially. Your, felt. It's your
1: personal. I mean, it's your country. Of yeah, course, you're going to. what I, I
0: initially feel, I feel you're, like you're going to feel differently
1: it, about it and feel a way. I feel about
0: like it. I feel like it shouldn't be devalued. The horrors. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the support is is, a, is great, and uh, uh, Ukrainians feel the support, and it's 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 helping.
1: So, as a Ukrainian, you like that there's people here in New Hampshire hanging the flag of your country here in the Monadnock region of New Hampshire.
0: Well, if you put the question like that, um, I don't know. Well, it it feels it feels great to have support. It feels great. It feels great. Yeah, it feels great.
1: You, you feel encouraged by it and supported. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I won't lie on my end. I'm I'm a shitlord about a lot of things. I I you know I I'm into political satire and. Uh, we're becoming very friendly with a comedian named Alex Stein, who I don't know if you've seen him or heard of him, but he has an absolutely, in my view, a brilliant bit where he dresses up as a American member of the Ukrainian Foreign Legion, and he goes to these city council meetings pretending to be recruiting to join the uh, the uh, Azov Battalion in Ukraine, and he just trolls everybody. Mm-hmm. He has a picture of Zelensky, and he has a whole rap. I'd be I'd be interested to send that to you and, and get your reaction to it. Um, because yeah, I mean depending on, on where you are politically and what you believe, um, it, I think it's a fair question for American taxpayers and Americans to ask, you know, why why do we have to send billions over to Ukraine and uh, you know in in support support them? So
0: Absolutely. And because if Ukraine falls, they're gonna come after you.
1: Russia's gonna come after America? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I think we disagree gonna, there, Yuri.
0: Uh, it's gonna come after one of the NATO nations, and you would well, you yeah. would have to
1: be get involved. Right, right. There. I've I've had that conversation with some, would... some friends, and 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 yeah, that's why I want resolution to this, man. So, in your view, what would peace talks look like, and and what do you think would be a, you know the best solution to what's happening?
0: Russia is a terrorist state, and there there could be no negotiation with terrorists. Uh, however, there are probably three three ways negotiations could go. Uh, discuss the topics. Uh, first of all, is coordinating green corridors to let civilians out. Uh, this is crucial to have some kind of contact with them. Um, although a lot of them don't, I, I can't say a lot of them, but I constantly now and then hear the story how green corridor were shelled. Uh, the second would be to to negotiate their uh, capitulation and the third uh, prisoner prisoners of war exchange but other than that what, what could be negotiated with them Israel yeah. doesn't negotiate with terrorists and it's it's not it's not it's about because if yeah and luckily we we can we can afford not to negotiate with them
1: yeah well i mean it's going to certainly prolong things and you know my my fear is as an american in my perspective is that you know through NA- a nato country or through what's happening with ukraine is the thing does escalate into full full you know nuclear exchange so that's why i'm so pro getting together and talking and, and trying to de-escalate tensions
0: i i told i'm totally with you no one wants a war with russia no one wanted it no one wants a nuclear war absolutely yeah we
1: all lose in a nuclear war uh,
0: uh question is what is the best way to prevent it right and there are several ways there are several ways uh the, the best way is one but the ways to prevent it there are multiple and i think here where we um have different opinion maybe uh, you see one way is the best way to prevent the war uh nuclear war. I see another way is the best way to prevent the war, but our ultimate goal is the same no no one wants the war and yeah uh, I think uh Putin and Russia right now are a geopolitical bully, and the only language they understand is the language of force and firmness. If you show weakness, he's gonna be poking that weakness more and more. It's just what he does best his k g b
1: yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, he's uh he wants to cement his legacy. And, uh you know, he, he's paranoid, you know, you know, you got to know some of the people around him are looking for their opening. And uh there's plenty of, you know, anti war and anti Putin people in Russia. But of course, you know, we know that they get stamped out and Navalny get, got poisoned and then locked in jail. Uh, Boris Nemtsov was killed, shot there on that bridge right outside the, the Kremlin. Uh, you know, oligarchs who run afoul of the Kremlin and criticize Putin and take off, they'll track them down and poison them with Novichok. So, you know, I'm not yeah. denying any of that. And and, that, and that's that's another thing I want to clear up with you too, Yuri, is that, you know, don't mistake my wanting to not have a direct battle with Russia um, as being like a Putin fan or, or a, you know, standing for him or being a simp or – I know before you, you said, oh, you're licking the ass of Putin, <laughs> which is, you know, is, is, not, is, is not, not the case. It's uh, it's wanting to avoid a nuclear war and a direct hot war between the United States and uh, Russia. So I'm glad. Totally.
0: That... I have the same goal as you, but as I was saying, different ways to get there. Um Great great lesson, or not lesson, or maybe great parallel from the history. Uh, British Prime Minister uh, Chamberlain, before the war, 1938, he signed uh, peace agreements with uh, Hitler. He wanted to avoid war with Hitler, but uh, history showed appeasing, ap- appeasement, Hitler appeasement, didn't work out. Um, but Hitler's a little bit different case than Putin but still, uh, you gotta. I think you gotta stand firm, and because bully, you gotta stand firm to the bully.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's just it's a it's a tough, it's a tough thing all around. Well, we just came up on an hour here, Yuri, and I, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, man, and, and accepting my invitation, and uh, you know, talking about this. It's very interesting to hear your perspective and. First and foremost, you know, I, I wish you and your family and all your friends and everybody in Ukraine well. And, and I hope that they're safe. And I really hope that there can be resolution to this quickly because I'm, I'm bummed about it, man. It's a complete bummer. No no one's no one's happy about it. No one's glad to see it. And, um, you know, when you know someone who's actually from there and you can talk to them, it, you know, it's, it's I think it's a very important perspective to have. So, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and I, I thank you for coming on with me today.
0: I very much so appreciate you inviting me and letting me speak and express my opinion. Yeah. I, yeah. I of course. Hope maybe we can repeat it one day.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, where can people find you, Yuri, and, and uh, check out your stuff and support you?
0: Uh, mm, I have actually I have a YouTube channel that I'm uh, running war situation updates every five days, and uh, I post them on Twitter under Savage Sage
1: uh, yep. handle. All right. Yeah. And, and folks, I put those links, um, in the description of this video so you can check that out and, uh, yeah. Well, Hey man, you know, I'm glad that you're safe in Norway and I hope you can get home soon and you know, we can, we can see an end of this thing. So thanks Thanks, for coming on. Yeah. And I'll definitely, definitely want to have you on again. So if you want to hang out for a minute after I end the broadcast, we can, we can uh, say bye, but, uh, so everyone watching, thanks for tuning in. And, uh, Support this channel. Click the subscribe button. Um, if you like what you see, become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash radio and follow me on, on all social media. Um, and, again, Yaroslav, thanks, man. You stay safe out there. And uh, to all the folks watching, you have a great night, and we'll see you next time on Jackman Radio.